has Mr. David? He's doing better. His hand is still bothering him. Mm -hmm. He went to the doctors. He went to the emergency room. And they don't know what the heck's wrong. Sometimes we get these mysterious illnesses. This body was made by the creator, so there's no way man can know everything about it. But he moved a refrigerator by himself. Yeah, he did something. Uh, so Miss Vicky's granddaughter. It's having uh, her hernia. Right, a hernia. They did the microorthoscopic. So I guess that's a really minute. They got to do the laser surgery. Yeah. To fix it. And so to God be the glory. Too far. That's a new baby. Oh, what's the baby's oh, name again? Esther Grace. Esther Grace. Uh, Sister Grace. <laughs> That's me. It's easy for me. Anyways, and I know that Crystal and uh, her husband are, Mitchell are excited about that. That's a big moment. God answered prayer there. And God been answering prayers all over the place. Rain. We must have gotten two or three inches this morning. It was a Kansas storm in Florida. Yeah. The fires are out in Tennessee. The fires are out in Tennessee. I don't know about Israel. I've been trying to find out if the fires were out in Israel. So I haven't been. Usually uh, when I Google it, it gives me something. But this time it, it didn't give me anything. I was glad that we had rain. But I've been praying for rain. Yes, yes. God answered prayer. <coughs> and God is answering you all prayers because He's uh healing a lot of you all of this bug that you had. He answered Colby's prayer of our dad Yeah, Deacon was able to get back on a, his normal shift. God answered prayer. A little five year old boy said, Let's pray, mommy. Okay. And God and God answered his prayer. I apologize, Mr. Kobe. You're six. <laughs> Folks around the world, little Kobe is six years old, the one who had the faith to say, we need to pray now, mommy. And God changed that thing. That's right. To God be the glory and Lord Jesus magnified. Um, today I had a bit of a rough day. I was surprised my wife and Shelly didn't catch it. Um, that's why I walked across the street and just talked with Ron. Um, sometime I still um, get memories of the battlefield. And uh, today was one of those days I was just sitting there and it just, the Christmas songs triggered it. And uh, which is really weird. But anyway, uh, for about a couple of hours there, it was. It, when it happens, it changes my entire sensory. Uh, everything seems louder. Everything seems brighter. Um, fight yeah. or flight. Huh? It goes to fight or flight. Yeah, I'm, and I'm at a hyper, what do you call it, Shelly? Hypersensitive hyper at that time. And so uh, it's something I've asked the Lord to take away from me for the past 25 years. Uh, soon to be 26 years here in a couple of months, but he hasn't removed it. Uh, maybe there's a reason. Maybe there is, but he's given me an ability to to deal with it. I went and sat and talked with Brother Ron and and told him what was going on. And in the end, uh, right before the kids came over, Sister Sean came over with a book, a beautiful book of prayers and, and, and psalms. And she kept, she was very persistent. And I said, you must have heard my conversation. She said, I did. And she was persistent. She sat down with me and she just, she, in a soft monotone voice, it was able to get me back where I needed to be by bringing my focus back on the, on the Lord. And so even your pastor still struggling with certain issues in life. And, uh, I, I don't pray that on anyone, but <laughs> to God be the glory. Today we're going to once again go back to the book of Ephesians and get a chance to see some good stuff here. I was sharing with the kids earlier Bible study. Tucker is such a hyper kid in the Word of God, and he's going to make an absolutely beautiful college professor someday, I believe. 
in the Word of God because he's such a detailed person. And he asked the kids grown-up questions and I have to come back and just redo it. But that's good. But one of the things that we were talking about today, and we're going to really go in the book of Ephesians, is that Jacob, when Jacob laid his head on that rock that night, he had a dream. And he, God opened his mind's eye from the dream. I wonder why God did this in a dream. Well, hundreds of years later, he would tell Moses' sister and brother, he said, some people, he said, I talk to in dreams and visions. But not so with Moses. My friend Moses, I talked to Moses face to face, which he did. But I wonder why God at times, Shelley, talked to us in dreams and visions. I think it's because maybe we are not able to absorb it when we are awake. Mm -hmm. So, And he brings it to us when the body is most relaxed and all. And you're incapable of having distractions or fearing and running away yeah. <laughs> when he shows you certain things. But he opened up to Jacob, the spirit world, and we, we were talking about. And I think it's the first time in the Bible, uh, we know that Abraham heard the voice of God. We know that God came in human form to Abraham before he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. But, well, Jacob, though, he opened up the spirit world in Jacob's dream. And Jacob was able to see the staircase of heaven come down. And he saw spirit beings, angels, going and coming out of heaven, up and down that staircase. And I told the kids, remember, angels are what? Spirits. So he was able to see into the spirit world. In that dream. And then God stood at the top of the staircase and talked to him. And that's the same thing that Lord Jesus told his disciples several hundred years into the future. He said, you will see angels ascended and descended upon the Son of Man, as recorded in John chapter 1, verse 51. And, and sure enough, and that, that must have been a powerful thing for a man to be able to look into the spirit world and see the things that God showed Jacob that night. The man Paul, Paul, the one who wrote this letter to the Ephesians church, okay, is going to deal with the spirit world in this book. And he's going to deal with the spirit world in this book in the form of demons. Not as with the angels that Jacob saw, okay, when he was asleep. But in chapter 6 of this book, Paul is going to talk about, talk about how we're going to be, how we're going to fight against the spirit world of demons. Isn't that something? And how to be prepared to fight this battle with them. And what kind of military outfit we're to have on when we go up against them. And he said, that's the armor of Jesus. God. Tucker's listening. But tonight, we're going to continue down the path of grace. Where he's going to be talking about continually how we're saved. We realize that we're not saved by human efforts. Otherwise, he said, you, not by works, that's human efforts. Or we saved. He said, unless some people are going to go, to go around doing what with it? Bragging. He said, boast. Boast is bragging. He said, but it is by the grace of God through faith that we are saved. Extraordinary stuff that. I see extraordinary stuff that God is showing us through the eyes of the Apostle Paul, his writing, as the Holy Spirit lays these things out. Young Tucker, you want to open us in prayer? After you ask your question. Um, wasn't Paul, didn't Paul see the Spirit while well He sure did. He was on that island? No, that's John. Oh. But Paul did visit heaven. And we see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He called it, he knew a man that 
Not so many years you mentioned. That was out of body or in body. He said, I couldn't tell. Only God knows who was called up to the third heaven. That, that is in the immediate presence of God. And he saw things that it was unlawful for a man to talk about. <laughs> so <laughs> he said, what I saw, I can't tell you because God said, don't express them. But yes, he did see the spirit world in the heaven. All right. Go ahead, Mr. Tucker. Thank God for the healing of baby Grace. Okay. And pray that God will heal your daddy. Okay, Esther Grace. Okay. All right. Go ahead, Mr. Tucker. Open us up in Bible study and prayer, please. Dear God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for healing baby Esther Grace. And I pray for my daddy and I pray for my eyes and everybody that's sick and hurt. And I pray for everybody in the hospital that they get out safely with no sickness and everyone that's traveling is safe, get, travel safely. And I pray that Israel, that the fires in Israel are put out for them. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Normally I would have had everybody to pray, but because we started a little late tonight, um, I opted out of that. Our eight-year-old, is he eight? Nine. Nine. Nine now. Boy, you boys, the time is passing us by. <laughs> hey, excuse me, too. Shelly had to tell me. Yeah. So... Anyway, let's take a look here that uh, Shelly, if you can put verse 12 to the top, please. Matter of fact, verse 11. No, the other arrow. The other arrow. There you go. Verse 11, right there. Hit the little block box. Uh, 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 right there. Thank you very much. All right. He said, therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentile by birth and called uncircumcised by those who called themselves the circumcision that done in the body by hands of men. Remember that at that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from the citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. That's a whole mouthful of verse 11 and 12, isn't it? it needs a lot of unpacking. What Shelly is going to do. Here we are. Circumcision, we know when he refers to those of circumcision, he's talking about Jews. Pure Jews, that is of the nation of Israel, born into those tri 12 tribes. Then he talked about the uncircumcision or uncircumcised. Who are those? The Gentile. The Gentile, the rest of the nations of the world. He's saying that there was a time in which the nations of the world, outside of the nation of Israel, was not part of God's covenant. If you go back to Romans chapter 12, verse 3, God says to Father Abraham that through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. All right? In chapter 28 of Genesis, God restates that through Jacob. He restates that through Jacob. And that seed of Jacob and the seed of Abraham is the same seed that's the seed of the woman in the garden. And that seed is Jesus. By Jesus, by this singular seed, this singular person who came through the nation of Israel, all the nations outside of the nation of Israel, all nations on earth are blessed because of the one seed, Jesus, what he would do for the entire human race, not just for Israel, 
but for all of us through his death on the cross for our sins. Now, Jesus, before he came and made everybody the same under salvation by the shedding of his blood, there was great hatred between the two nations. Now, I'm clumping all the nations of the world as one, all the Gentile nations as one, and then Israel as one. So the two nations, the Gentiles and the Jews, was at odds with each other. The Gentiles did not have the blessings of God at this time, did not have the, the covenant of God at this time, did not have the hope in God at this time. Every nation on earth was without God. So essentially you can say every nation on earth was lost. Got that? Because he said, look at verse 12. Without hope and without God in the world. When Jesus came, he changed that. And when he told Nicodemus that night, for God so loved the world, he brought the world back to God in himself. In other words, he just blessed the nations by bringing the nations back to God in his own body. And he took Israel and brought Israel back to God in his own body. And since both nations were in the same body, that's the body of Christ, he took the both nations in himself and made them one nation. Reconciling all nations back to himself in God. Okay? So one group of people can't say, I'm better than the other. We're all reconciled in Christ's body. All those who believe. And also the Apostle Paul would write uh, in another letter that we're all Abraham's children by faith. Okay, whether you're a Jew, born a Jew, or not. You're all Abraham's children because you believe God. You place faith in God and his son Jesus. And therefore, we are all Abraham's children. Now, is, this, is it making sense now to everybody? All right. So, we was excluded from the citizenship in Israel. A Gentile was still a Gentile. A Jew was still a Jew. All right? But then in Christ, he changed it. So we weren't citizens of Israel. Strangers to the covenant. Otherwise, we didn't know the agreement that God had made with Abraham, did we? No, the nations did not know what that covenant was. Neither did they knew the Sinai covenant or the Mosaic covenant, what God did on Mount Sinai by the giving of the law. Gentiles didn't, was not a part of that. All right? I'm taking y'all back to old school now. There's a lot wrapped up in those two verses right there. That's why it says a lot to unpack. So, Genesis 12, 3, God gives the covenant known as the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis 12, 3. And it's restated for the next several chapters. It's restated. And then it's passed on to Isaac, Abraham's son. And then it passed on to Jacob. All right? And then it was made known to Moses, who made it known to the people of Israel. Okay? And now we know it. Verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Jesus. Otherwise, how far away is far away if you're not with God, Shelley? The difference between life and death. It is the difference between life and death because that's what it was. 
That's a distraction. And so I look at it like this. You can take a strand of hair and separate a person by one, the distance of one strand of hair. Okay? Where their bodies never touch. Just, I mean, can you imagine being that close? But never touch. It, was, it might as well be a million miles apart, still the same, because you're still not together. The bodies are still separated, even if it's separated by the thickness of a hair. You're still separated. That's where Gentiles were in the world. They were far, far from God. Yet, as Paul would say in Acts chapter 17, he said, though we grope for him, He's not far away. I mean, you can still call upon the name of the Lord and the name of Jesus and God will hear you. You can still seek God with all your heart through Christ Jesus. And he said, all who seek for me with the whole heart shall what? Find me. And that's important to know. So Gentiles was very, very far from God. And Jesus changed all that. So verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. And this, my friend, this is what we have to focus on. It doesn't matter your lifestyle. It doesn't matter your nationality. The blood of Jesus can save you. And bring you into the family of God. Amen. One of the things that John the Baptist had told the Jews, who in a, in a way thought they were automatically saved because they were Abraham's descendants. John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3 says, don't come here saying that you're a Shelley. Uh, go to the New King James side and bring up Matthew chapter 3. New King James, that's the last column. Go to what says Ephesians, bring Matthew. All right, let's take a look here. Go up, 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 you passed it. Up, 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 on up, on up, right there. There you go. And click on chapter three. Let's, let's get a lesson here from this. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, right now. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And John himself was clothed in camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, these are the two religious groups in Israel that ran Israel in those days, okay? So he saw them coming, and what did he say to them? Coming to his baptism, he said to them, brood of vipers, otherwise you big old group of snakes. That's what he just told them. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? In other words, when the desert would get caught on fire, snakes and clusters will have to try to outcrawl the fire. Or they would what? Burn. Perish. They would burn up. So he said, who, warned, who went and told you to run away from the fire? What he was talking about, who, who told you to flee from the wrath of God? In other words, the punishment of God. Who warned you? to run away from it. Pretty harsh words, right? One may say, but actually, he was trying to save their lives. So he tell them, brood of vipers who warn you to flee from the wrath to come, therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. What he did, he just told, he just called them sinners. Jews in them days didn't think themselves as sinners because they was God's chosen people. They were Abraham's descendants. They were sinners, and that's what he was telling them when he made that statement, come with fruits of repentance. Now, deacon, he goes on and says to them, and do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. In other words, we're Abraham's children. We're Abraham's bloodline. 
we're automatically saved because we're Abraham's descendants. John said, don't you come here saying that. Okay? Just because you're Abraham's children don't mean you are saved. Pretty cool stuff, isn't it? Then he goes on to tell them, for I say to you that God is able to raise up to Ab raise up children to Abraham from these stones. In other words, you're no good to God as you are because God don't need you. He can raise up good children to Abraham, ones who've never sinned right from these rocks. Wow. I shall pay attention for a minute. I need you to put verse 10 to the top. Now you can actually grab it still. You can grab it. No, no, no. Come over here and squeeze that little box. Grab it right there. No, no. Over, over. Yes, it will. You just got to know what you're doing. Let me help you out. Not that one. The next one over. Okay. All right. Let's do it another way. Uh, just go to the subject line then right here click on the subject line and let's see here da, 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 da. no it's not gonna let me bite it is it uh -uh. you were right I know. oh god i know conceited thing okay deacon that's all right. Let's do it over here. There's more, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Isn't that right, Miss Marie? More than one way to skin a cat? Mm-hmm. From the top to the bottom of bottom of the cat. I would not skin a cat. <laughs> CJ, <laughs> it's just a figure of speech. <laughs> all right. So he said, and now also the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Notice trees are in the plural. Trees represent children, represent people. Otherwise, God is ready to chop you down now. Whack you down now. Okay, cut you off now. Okay? So... Therefore, every tree which bring not forth fruit, good fruit is hemmed down or cut down and cast into the fire. All right. Shall I put that back on Ephesians 2 for me? So what John the Baptist was telling those Jews, look, just because you're born Jews don't mean you're saved in God's eyes. All right. You're only saved by the blood of Jesus. So are the Gentiles. By the blood of Jesus. Okay? Brother Isaiah wrote that this servant would be the light to the Gentiles. So he said, those who sat in darkness have seen a great light. Okay? Zechariah, dad, I mean, Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, he says something so poetic about Jesus. It's so beautiful. He calls Jesus the dawning of the day. The new day has come forth. That new day is Jesus. Several hundred years earlier, many hundreds of years earlier, Jacob called Jesus daybreak or the dawning of the day also. And so Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, Call Jesus the same thing. And he's the one that's the light of the world. A new day has dawned in the era of human history. And that new day is Jesus, the son of the living God, the Messiah. Awesome. And he didn't just come to save Israel, but he also came to save the nations. Okay? Good stuff, isn't it, Shelley? Sure is. And so, well, down in verse 13, um, 
So by the blood of Jesus, we are saved. Where are you going, Shelly? You're messing me up. <laughs> All right, Shelly, Shelly. She's doing good. <laughs> Had me going backwards for a minute. Okay. For he... I think I just got persecuted. <laughs> for he is our peace. He has made both one. Did you see that? Now, I want you to listen to the language that's given here because it's very important to understand the statement that Paul is making to both Jews and Gentiles in this church because the Ephesian church was made up of both Jews and Gentiles. And they were probably more likely because it was a Gentile nation there were more Gentiles than there were Jews. Shelly's listening good today. I'm not sleepy. So, he's saying to us now, I'll go on the NIV side, because that's the Bible Shelly got. I don't prefer it, but that's okay. For he himself is our, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two, or the two nations, one, and has destroyed the what? Barrier. The dividing wall of hostility. Okay? King James says, Clinton, and have broken down the middle wall of partition between us. So there was a, a barrier that was between Jews and Gentiles. It just never was fixed. Even though to those Gentiles who became, here, here you go, boys, a, a fancy word, proselytes. Proselytes are someone who you get to become one of you in your religion. So even those, those Gentiles who became proselyte into the Jewish religion uh, now did not get the opportunity to go actually into the intersections of the temple. Did you know that? In Jerusalem, Clinton, they, the part of the temple complex, you had the intersection where the Jews only could go and then you had the section called the court of the women that only the women, the women couldn't go past that. And then you had the section called the court of the Gentiles. Remember, Paul would be arrested in Jerusalem because he was accused of bringing a Gentile beyond the court of the Gentiles. Otherwise, defiling the temple with an unclean person. And boy, the Jews went crazy. They were ready to kill him. Remember? But Paul saying here by the Holy Ghost, God destroyed all that by Jesus. Remember what happened, Miss Marie? You read about this account in Matthew chapter 27, starting at verse 51. Shelly, go there, please, on, on, on the King James side. Matthew chapter 27, verse 51, we'll start there. Watch what happened. This is where the dividing wall was torn down. Okay? Right. Let's take a look. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in two. Twain means two. From the top to the bottom. Otherwise, because that thing was so tall, the curtain was over 20 feet tall. And it was very thick, Clinton. But it was ripped from the top to the bottom, letting you know that it wasn't a man who did it, but who? God himself ripped it. Okay? Um, let me have your attention over here on the wall at this poster. Let everybody look this way. <coughs> Let, let's take a look here for a second. I'm going to have to move my little buddy, army buddy, out of the way. Is that blocking anybody? All right. I want to show you something here. All right. This represents the tabernacle. And this part right here, the first part was called, Shelly, you need to see this as, as much as you can, dog. Uh, this, this part right here we call the holy parts. That's where the, uh, people would bring their sacrifice over to the priest, and the priest would, would kill the, the, the doves or the pigeons or the turtle dove, or, 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 or the goat, or the sheep, or the bulls, okay? And right here, uh, when it was slaughtered, 
And then over here, it, it, it will be, the remaining part will be sacrificed. Here's where the priests have to wash up. But <coughs> this, this first part right here, the, the, the regular priest could actually enter this first part right here. Okay? However, do you see the second part that was separated by a big curtain? Mm-hmm. Well, when they built the temple, they kept the same format. All right? Except there was a big, tall curtain, thick curtain. Because this part here was called the Holy of Holies, or the most holy part of the temple or the tabernacle. This is where the glory where God himself would come in and sit up on what we call the mercy seat. Okay? That flat piece that was between the two cherubims. And that part, only the high priest could enter once a year with a blood sacrifice. Now, Jesus, what this does, this represents heaven. This was a, a, a symbol of heaven where God, God is in heaven sitting on his throne. And the only person that had access to God was Jesus, Jesus the inner portion of God. In other words, God himself. And Jesus took his own blood and poured it up on the mercy seat of God. In other words, took the blood to God and God accepted it. Okay? And that's what it represented. So, when God accepted Jesus' blood offering, the veil of the temple was torn in two, showing that there was no longer a blockage there for men to come into the presence of God because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the doorway to God himself. Jesus is that veil, Shelley, that, that man-made veil. It's no longer existing. It blocked people away from God. That actual veil today is Jesus' body. Jesus himself is that veil. No human can get to God unless they go through Jesus. Jesus is the veil of God. And you read about that in um, Hebrews chapter 11. Explain to you, uh, chapter 10, I mean, it explains to you and I that Jesus Christ's body is that veil, that doorway to God. And that's why Jesus said in John chapter 10, I mean, chapter 14, verse 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Okay? And so through Jesus' death here, it says, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in two from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks are uh, rent, or uh, broken, or uh, torn. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake, and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of of God. So it was that that moment what happened in heaven because the temple was supposed to be a representation of what is like in heaven. The mercy seat, which by the way wasn't there during Jesus' day, okay? The Ark of the Covenant was not there. In fact, later on it tells you that the Ark of the Covenant is in heaven. I don't know why men trying to look for it because the Word of God says... It's in heaven. Okay? And so anyway, by Jesus' death on the cross, he took and removed the veil. And that veil, because Gentiles couldn't go into this these parts. Man, they would have stoned them to death. So Jesus made the requirements, all one requirement for both people, Jews and Gentile, we all must be washed in the blood of the Lamb of God. And that's why John the Baptist said in John chapter 1, verse 29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that's huge. That covered Israel and that covered the Gentiles, that covered us. Okay? Is it all making sense to everybody? What's the time? 701. Okay. All right, Charlie, if you'll put if you'll put uh, Matthew back as Ephesians two thirteen.
right. So, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought what close. And then in verse 14, he himself is our peace who, who made the two one and has destroyed the barriers that divided us. Uh, verse 15, by abolishing in his flesh the law which it com with his commandments and regulations. Okay? Jesus fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law. Remember he said in his first sermon in Matthew chapter 5, he said, I did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. Jesus, the Son of God, is the righteous requirement of God's commands. Okay? He came and showed that. In Hebrews chapter 4, it says that he was tempted in every way, yet without sin. Okay? Now, what's also important for us to get is, um, as we look at this, He says here, his purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, this making peace. And in this was one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostilities. When Jesus died on the cross, Miss Marie, the hatred that was between Jews and Gentiles, he took that hatred and nailed it to the cross with him. And he made both men available to God in his own body. Both groups of people, Jews and Gentiles, are now one person in Christ called the body of Christ known as the church. And the church is what Christ is going to present to God. In Ephesians, in, in a couple of chapters over, in chapter 5, he's going to say, that he's coming back for a church without spot, or blemish, or wrinkle. Okay? Why? Because he's going to present the church as a holy vessel to God, his Father. And the church is made up of both Jews and... Because the Jews were the first fruit of the church. Were they not? Mm -hmm. Who was at Pentecost? Who were the ones called first to preach the gospel? Jews were. Who were the first ones to receive the Holy Ghost? Jews were. So they were the first one. They're the 12. Uh, if you look at the new city, the new Jerusalem, who are the 12 foundations? They're the apostles. The disciples of Jesus Christ. Who are the gates named after? When you look at those gates and things of the new Jerusalem in Revelation chapter 21, they're named after the 12 tribes of Israel, the Jews. Not one Gentile name is up on that building. Okay, that city. There's all Jews, the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles. So folks who want to down Israel, they better go and read Revelation 21 because God did not forget his people. Their names are written on stone in heaven. Okay? All right. Now, so in Jesus, in Jesus alone, the Son of God, God removed the hatred that was between us and the Jews. Because I'm going to tell you. Yeah, but listen to what you, what you just said. I was just getting ready to comment on. You can take a Jew from Israel today, from Jerusalem, and you can take a, pa a Palestinian from Jerusalem, and they both get saved by the blood of Jesus. Those two men or two women will not hate each other anymore. They'll now have a love for each other because of Jesus. And they have one common love, one common bond that, that, that brings them together. And that's Jesus, the Son of God. And as each embrace Jesus, each embrace God, Jesus' Father. So Jesus is the one who removes the hatred 
between Jews and Gentiles. As we become his children, the true children of Jesus do not hate each other. That's right. Well, there is a lot of hate. That's because they're not Jesus' children. Jesus' children do not hate each other. That's what makes us different than all other people on the earth. Before we come to Jesus, we're just like everyone else on earth. We hate people. But when we come to Jesus, he says, I say to you, hate not your what? Enemies. uh, Shall I go to uh, Matthew, go to King James, go to Matthew chapter 5. Here's what Jesus said, and this is his preaching on this. Watch this right here. Uh, shall it bring uh, bring bring uh, verse 10 to the top. Matthew chapter 5 verse 10. Okay, listen what Jesus now he's talking to his Jewish audience now. And there's probably some Gentiles in this crowd. All right? Listen to what he says. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and and shall say all men are evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Remember, he's talking to Jews now. There's some Gentiles may be present. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And it goes on and tell them, for you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savior, wherewith shall it be salted? It is therefore good for nothing but to be cast out and to be walked on the men's foot. Okay, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it on a bushel, basket, he's talking about, but on a candlestick or candle stand. And it gives light to all those that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Thank not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say to you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, okay, till all be fulfilled. Now, what Jesus just said there, he told you and I that people are going to hate you, but you can't go around hating them. You can't hate them. He just told you pray for those who do what? Persecute you. This is the true body of Christ. If we're the true body of Christ, we're not going to hate people because their nationality or their skin color or their sexual orientation. Okay? We're going to love them the way Jesus loves them. And that's a fact, Jack. A Jill? Yeah, but what are these professors teaching these college kids today? Miss Marie, they are—they are, are teaching a, a host of things against God's word. <laughs> and Jesus said that by the Holy Ghost, through Paul's writing, oh, no. He let you and I know that in the latter days, many will fall away from the faith. They will no longer heed to the doctrine of God, but to the doctrine of demons. Okay, and how that's being taught, it could be in universities, it could be in their homes, it can be on a street corner, it can be in so-called churches, because you do have so-called churches now that's preaching a lot of things that's not according to God's word. And that's why I thank God that at least here, he allows me to teach the word of God. I'm not, you don't see me pulling out everything else teaching you. I'm, teach, I'm not teaching you the philosophy of men. I'm teaching you the word of God. Because that's what he wants. And, and he's not going to have it any other way. That's why the Apostle Paul told the church in Galatia, even if an angel came down here with another doctrine, other, or another word, okay, let that angel be cursed. 
That's right. He said, let that angel be cursed. And they said it again in the next verse over. Even if an angel come down here with another doctrine or another word, let that angel be cursed. He's not monging around. We have to give the gospel as it is. From Genesis to Revelation is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, one part talking about his coming, the other part talking about him being here, and the other part saying he's coming back again. And he is. I know. <laughs> he is coming back for us. Now, shall we go back to that as we get ready to close this Bible study out today? We really have to see the incredible work that Jesus did. In verse 16, verse 16, it says that he, he reconciled both Jews and Gentiles to God in one body by the cross, having slain the enemy, otherwise killed the hatred of between Jews and Gentiles. And then he turned around and said, verse 17, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that was near. It's pretty cool language right there, Shelley. He's saying, Gentiles who were far off, Jesus made sure you got the gospel. And you, Gent you, you Jews who are close to God, he made sure you heard the gospel so that both groups of people can be saved. They're reconciled to God by Jesus himself. So that's why it's important that this good news of the kingdom go out to every nation, not just to Israel, but to the rest of the nations of the world. Okay? And for through him we both have access by one spirit unto to the Father. By Jesus... Jesus prayed to the Father. Remember John chapter 14. He says that I will pray to the Father and he will give you another comforter. The comforter is the Holy Spirit. Okay? And he even said that same night, he said it is expedient for me to go away. It will be to your advantage that I go away. And it says, if I do not go away, the comforter will not come. Although Jesus said, as long as, long as Jesus was on earth, there was no need for the Holy Spirit to come down here and take over. Take, you know, continue what Jesus had, had started with his disciples, teach them things. And so, Look at this. <clears throat> so we come, the Holy Spirit, help us get to Jesus, who is the doorway to God. The Holy Spirit on earth is the very one that gives us access to Jesus. Okay? He is the very one that brings us into the presence of God. Is that making any sense? Verse 19. Now, therefore, you're no more strangers and foreigners. Shelley, Jesus saying to the Gentile nations right now, you are no longer strangers to my father. You're no longer foreigners. You have now been invited into the family of God. Isn't that awesome? He says, no more. We are no longer foreigners and, and aliens or strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people. And we can look all the way back during the Exodus. Can we deacon and see there in the wilderness God talking to the nation of Israel from the top of the mountain as he was talking with Moses? How do you think they received the Ten Commandments the first time? God spoke them directly to the people. We thought Moses gave them to him first. No, 
God recorded them so that Israel will have a copy of what he said to them. But he spoke the commandments to them in Exodus chapter 20. Now, as we look further, as we get ready to close this out, so your fellow citizen with the saints and of the household of God, and how, how does this happen? Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Why did he say built on the foundations of the, of the apostles and the prophets? Here's why. Jesus chose the apostles to carry the gospel to the nations. And the prophets prophesied about him coming and doing it. So we need both. We need to know the word of the prophets, which are in the Old Testament. And we need the word of the apostles, which is the New Testament. Jesus said, by Paul, our belief system is built upon both the Old Testament and the New Testament. You cannot have one without the other. They're both one. Amen? Amen. It's amazing. And then he goes on to tell you and I that not only are we we're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, well, Christ Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone. So he kind of used it a little bit, everybody. Anybody ever seen how a house is built? What's the first thing they lay down before they build the house, before they put up the walls? They put up the foundation. Okay, if that foundation is weak, the house may what? Crumble. Or there will be a crack in the walls of the house. Okay? The other part that we need to look at is we, as apostles are the, are the foundation, they're the ones who brought us the word. But the building, how the walls are built of that house is Jesus himself. He is the first stone of that house to be put in place. That's why it's so important to understand Psalms 127, verse 1. He said, unless the Lord builds a house, they that labors, otherwise those who build it, labors in vain. I think that's what it says. Can you look up Psalms 127, verse 1? Unless the Lord builds a house, they that builds it, builds it in vain. Unless the Lord watches the city or guards the city, they who guard it, guards it in vain. 127 verse what? One, is it verse one? Or is that the wrong Psalms? Is it Psalms 127? Unless... I'm glad you're studying the complete Jewish Bible. I'm so happy for you. Unless Adonijah builds the house. Right, the Lord. Yes, its builders work in vain. There you go. So, unless the Lord builds a house. Unless the Lord guards the city, the guard keeps watch in vain. Yeah. So, God must do the work. Yeah, he puts the foundation yeah. for us. So if he if he's not building the house, if he's not building our lives, it's all in, in vain. And that's some powerful stuff from a bowl. And so in verse 21, in him the whole building is joined together and what? Raises to become a holy temple in the Lord. So Jesus Christ took both Jews and Gentiles and built himself a house with them. Right. Jesus raised, The word raises means to build, to build up into a temple, okay? So we are the temple of God, both Jews and Gentiles in Christ. We are the temple of the Lord, okay? That means the, that God lives in us. We're that temple, all right? In the last verse, Shelley, and in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And that's what it's all about. Right there. 
Jesus has chosen every one of us to be the temple in which God, his Father, lives by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay? That's what life is all about. And, and, and sometimes we grieve the Holy Spirit more than we care, some of us care to admit. But God placed his spirit in us by what Jesus did. Okay? Every person that don't have the spirit of Christ living in them is do not belong to Jesus. And so the Lord is awesome. He is. In all of his ways. I love this here on five in Matthew five. Mm-hmm. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. I love that. Those are called the Beatitudes. Mm -hmm. It's a series of blessings the Lord has gave us. And sometimes we try to look at each person differently fitting each one of those blessings. But <laughs> it's all one person. Those blessings are all in one person, each one of us. And uh, I, I love it. And I guess we got about 10 minutes before Tamara comes back, about eight minutes. And uh, chapter two just told us some incredible stuff how Jesus Christ, the Son of God, took a group of people that was enemies. And through his death on the cross, made us one family in Christ Jesus, in God. And he also told us in this chapter that your salvation didn't come by anything that you and I did. Salvation strictly came by the grace of God. Through faith, that is through belief in the works of Jesus Christ, God brought us salvation. God showed us favor, saved us wrote our names in the Lamb's Book of Life and made us his children by his son Jesus. Incredible stuff that we've seen. Chapter 3 gets into a little bit different dimension. Uh, what he's going to be talking to us about, Shelley. Chapter 3, uh, Paul is describing his current condition. He is a prisoner. He's a, he's a prisoner in Rome. But he uses that to explain that he's also a prisoner of Christ. Okay? And how in that, he's really going to talk to you and I now about the transformation of the human heart. What happens to the human heart now? When you come to Christ, Paul in this next chapter going on over from this point forward is going to explain to you and I what happens to the human heart and how in chapter 5 it brings it out and showing us now as the church what Christ expects of the church by using also the relationship between a husband and wife okay he's going to talk about marriage in chapter 5 and how that is to mirror Christ's relationship with his church. It's very powerful stuff. Chapter 6, he's going to close it out. And he's going to introduce us into the spirit world, into spiritual warfare as soldiers of the cross. He's going to tell us that we, are to need, we need to suit up. We, it's basic training time. Okay? All the things that he's teaching up to this point is basic training time. And in the middle of chapter 6, he's going to say, now it's time for you soldiers who have been trained to put on your battle gear called the armor of God. And it's time to prepare for war. A real battle that goes on 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year, while we're still here on this earth. A real war that you and I battle 
that we cannot see the enemy with human eyes. And you cannot touch him with human weapons. You can't pick up a 30 out six and shoot a demon. <laughs> like you shoot a deer. Amen? But he did say you can reach out and touch him with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Put the word on him. Because remember, Jesus in the wilderness, we'll close out with this thought. Remember in the wilderness when Jesus and Satan met, it was war. They started fighting in the wilderness. And you know what? Jesus defeated him with the word of God. Jesus didn't reach over and slap him inside the head. Now did he? He, he did. How did he defeat the devil at that moment? With the word of God, the sword of the spirit. That's how he defeated him at that moment in the wilderness. Amen? Amen? And every time that devil came to him, Jesus put the word of God on him. Amen? All right. Any questions? Powerful stuff, huh, Scholar? It is. All right. Mr. Aiden, close us out in prayer, please. Amen. As we close out, uh, we have a final thought for people around the world that the only way of salvation is through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus Christ is salvation. He's God's gift of salvation to the world. And there's no other way in which men can be saved other than by the name of Jesus. And we encourage everyone around the world to place their trust in the living God and his son, Jesus, our Lord. And you can find these teachings and these, these messages on our webpage. Uh, you can also find on our Facebook to get to the podcast, to listen to it, uh, you can go to Facebook slash uh, Witnesses of Christ Ministry and go to it. Or WC High Springs at gmail.com. My son is probably going to correct that and put in the correct thing. And if you wish to call us, you can call us at 386-454-7594. You can also fax us on that number. And if you need to send us some uh, correspondence, you can write to us at 18583 High Springs Main Street, High Springs, Florida, 32643. God bless you. You too.